Well, it's 2 o'clock here in Las Vegas, which means it's time for the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host, live on News Talk 840 KXNT. Now, I, um, I rarely do I have to do this. I uh, want to make a slight correction to a few things I said yesterday. I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, it's all in the context of giving some perspective to this uh, fraud uh, that is now being alleged and uh, prosecuted by the Southern District of New York, the prosecutors out there, having filed charges a day and a half ago against SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, the wunderkind top contributor to various Democrats and Democratic left-wing causes, also somebody who invested heavily in a number of media companies, which, of course, then resulted in him getting a fair amount of decent press. So, I, you know, the one thing I tried to do yesterday, and I, I did it so quickly, and I, uh, I got lost in all the numbers. I got lost in billions of dollars, frankly. Uh, and what I mean is I was trying to put uh, some degree of of, of relativity to uh, the Bernie Madoff fraud, which, uh, you know, my, my posit, my, my theory, and what I said yesterday was until this latest FTX crypto collapse, a company founded by SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, until this happened, Bernie Madoff was, you know, the biggest fraud of our time, uh, perhaps financially speaking, ever, uh, so here's uh, I, I looked up the numbers and I, I was I was just off by billions of dollars yesterday. So I it, it came down to the numbers. I sub substantively though, uh, context wise, I think I was I was I was close. So I can pat myself on the back there. The the, the big number that's reported in the Madoff fraud, of course, this was the big scheme that came to light in 2008 when the market took a dump and a guy who was uh, you know, this very respected, Bernie Madoff, respected market manager, investment uh, uh, investor, uh, investment account guru, head of the NASDAQ stock exchange at one point, uh, turned out that basically his entire investment fund was a Ponzi scheme. Uh, the, the underpinnings of a Ponzi scheme, of course, being that, you know, that new investment gives returns to, old, to previous investments. You always have to get more and more people investing. And that's tricky to do when, you know, when people are losing their shirts and there's major market crashes and disruptions. And so his fund basically reached a point in 2008 where it ran out of money and, and, and you know, the, the jig was up. So it, it was the big number that was that was told to us in the media was was around 64, 65 billion dollars. The problem with that number is it's not real because there's there was enormous amount of fictitious profits, right? Because Madoff would send people out statements. So let's say somebody invested a million dollars and they would have a statement that said, well, you've got three million on account with us. Their million turned into three over time. And so the the lost money really when it's a fraud, it, it's not real profit. It's, it's you know, so the, the, the basically wasn't real. So of that, it's estimated that uh, I guess, you know, $35 billion or so dollars that Madoff claimed, it was claimed Madoff stole, stole, never really existed. 
Okay, so it's a fictional profit. So the total actual loss from Bernie Madoff, and this is important because I this was the biggest fraud to date until this SBF 30-year-old kid who looks like he's never showered in his life wore his first suit, as best as I can tell, yesterday to court where his plea to be bailed out was denied by the judge down in the Bahamas. They're going to hold him on. Uh, they're going to hold him in jail and keep him under lock and key until the uh, extradition is effected and he's sent back to the U.S. for prosecution. It seems, um, yeah, it's the first time he wore a suit, right? Because all the pictures of this guy, he's always disheveled. His hair is like this big frizzy mess. He's he's always wearing t-shirts and shorts and and, he, and by the way, he shows up this way to meet with you know with with Bill Clinton and you know there's a video of him at these conferences where he's Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. Everybody's wearing a jacket and slacks at the very least, and this kid shows up looking like a hobo. So uh, so contextualizing, giving you some sense, the the actual money that that was lost came to about $19 million. Do you know how much? This is interesting. This is kind of a check-in after the fact. There was a trustee appointed. His name was Irving Picard with the, with the Madoff fraud. Do you know how much money he was able to recover for victims? This is fascinating. I, I think as of today, because I couldn't get a more recent update, but as of a few years ago, I, it was north of 80%. There was an article I found from Bloomberg that had the, and back in 2018, had the total recovery at 70%. And I've seen some other mentions now north of 80. So, I'm, it, it, look, let's, it, of the 19, let's say it could be as much as 15 million was, was gathered. And one way that he did that is the trustee, by the way, I'll tell you, he, not only did he take all of Bernie Madoff's assets, he had sizable assets, but he also went after people who got returns, you know, because those were, of course, those returns came from stolen funds. So he went after people who put in a million and got a million and a half back or two million back. Uh, so so the, it ended up not being too big of a loss and giving you in, in, in millions, right? We went from this giant multi-billion dollar fraud and um, it, the actual loss was pegged to be about 19 million. So I guess... We'll call it five million, three to five million, or we're, we're lost forever. It's not terrible, and it also is is not exactly. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily comport with you know the, the way the media presented this multi billion dollar fraud. You know, da 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 da. So FTX, all right, FTX was worth thirty two billion at its peak, and this was a cryptocurrency exchange where people could direct deposit money, buy crypto, hold cryptocurrency. And today it's relatively worthless, okay? So it goes from 32 billion. Just want to give you an idea what this guy did because we've heard a lot about him in the news, but what is this all about? The current CEO, the guy who's come into crisis save the company, John J. Ray, says they only have about 740 million of digital crypto assets on account. So in value, 
the delta there is over $31 billion. Now there's folks, legally speaking, there's a huge difference between a loss and fraud, right? So if the value, I mean, crypto, I don't invest in crypto, just fair disclosure. I don't, to me, it's something I don't understand and I don't invest in anything that I don't understand. I'm a firm believer if you're going to invest and put your money in the marketplace, you, you've got to invest in companies that you believe in, uh, companies that have a balance sheet, companies that have revenue. You know, I don't like investing in companies that, that are doing something cool but are losing money. Uh, that's not a, I think that's not a good long-term investment. I think as you head into an, a downturn, we are in a downturn it's inevitable that the stock market will, where the value is, or companies that are actually making something and, and are in the black, right? This is why all the tech companies are, are taking a bath, because the only reason tech companies were able to buy, you know, pay employees and, and buy all these good stuff was they were selling investments, selling shares in their companies and getting revenue that way. But they were not revenue positive, most of them. Certainly not when it comes to Meta. Uh, Facebook, you know, Instagram, et cetera. So I'm just giving you an idea. That, to me, this this crypto thing has always been something that is over my head and it's not something that I've wanted to get into. Uh, and so, I, you know, I am, but I can tell you that, you know, 30, $31 billion evaporating overnight, some of that is loss, is market loss, because as I understand it in the last year, let's say, Crypto has fallen by 80%, 90%. But I'm going to also say that, you know, there's, there seems to be, and when you read the, the, the true bill that was issued by the, uh, you know, the Justice Department released yesterday, you get an idea of what the charges were against SBF. When you look at that um, indictment from the grand jury, you get an understanding that there are some very serious allegations, multiple allegations of, of, of wire fraud and of, of, um, of, of securities fraud. And when you account all that, I mean, so, I mean, how much of this just vaporized and disappeared and was stolen and moved from one company to the other? Because remember, they've got, it was FTX. People were buying coins or tokens, crypto, depositing that crypto, holding it at FTX. And the allegation is, is that this guy, SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, and his cohorts took that money and then transferred it, right, out of FTX and transferred it over to another company that he, he controlled that was run by that girlfriend of his that kind of looks like a squirrel. So he, you know, this, this, that is, and if... If it was a billion dollars, if one billion of the 32 billion has vaporized into the ether as a result of fraud, then this current deal eclipses the Madoff uh, fiasco by, by hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions. This is why it's such a big deal. And so I come to a conclusion here. And I have to run here. I could take a quick break as per usual here before they uh, get too angry at me. But listen, folks, I mean, you got to ask yourself, you remember many of you were 
uh, alive and adults and watching the news and, and taking the news in when the Bernie Madoff deal blew up. And you know what the coverage was like. This guy, do you remember when he was out on house arrest, how he was hounded, he was spit at? Look, I'm not going to say, you know, rightly so, uh, the, the horrible human being and a thief and a, and a crook, and he ruined people's lives and drove uh, folks to suicide, including his own son. Like, I, I mean, not a, look, I'm not defending him. I'm just saying the media went after him like nobody's business. And when you look at the media coverage, when you look at how Sam Bankman-Fried is being treated, he was at a conference for Pete's sake, oh, what is it, a week ago? And they, they were fawning over him. And the simple reason is, is that he ingratiated himself with the Democratic left-wing party establishment in this country to the point he bought their love and affection to the point that they were willing to let it all go. We are in a different world today than we were in 2008 when the media went after Madoff. And maybe if Madoff, hey, but by the way, Madoff was a big Democrat too. I mean, he, he was gave to Democratic causes, et cetera. But, but this, is, this to me is a crazy thing. So now the next question is, what the Justice Department says, other people will be charged. I have some ideas on how this could develop uh, because I think this is uh, this is this is going to be this story is only going to get bigger. Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. The What's Right Show will continue in just a minute. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Sam Rajovsky here, the What's Right Show, your sanity lifeline, a place to go for common sense conservatism and, well, a little bit of fun. Let's be honest, folks. We do uh, have a good time here, Monday through Friday, 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, yeah, so I, I interesting uh, bit of uh, news here before we continue on with discussing the fallout from the FTX crypto collapse, the arrest of Sam Bankman-Fried. There was a little blip yesterday in the marketplace. Uh, Apparently, right before, a few minutes before the CPI report hit, this is the executive branch of the government, uh, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics falls under the White House, uh, they issue uh, periodically uh, the CPI uh, index, the compute, uh, Consumer Price Index. And it is this is where the inflation data, the official impl- inflation data uh, comes out. And, it, it, well, I'm not going to, it seemed to be the official number was lower than expected yesterday. But, but that's not what I wanted to get into. What a lot of people who are experienced in trading and investments and everything noticed that a few minutes before the CPI report hit, there was a huge surge uh, in, in futures. So there was a, I don't know, a sudden and unexplained uh, 
burst of enthusiasm for investing in the economy. How big? 1%. That's not an insignificant number. That is a, um, that is a, a precipitous rise. It happened, and, and by the way, the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average went up 1% in about 60 seconds. Now, why is this important? Why does this matter? Well, the only, look, the only real explanation is that somebody inside the White House, inside the executive branch of government, leaked the CPI index to people in the know who moved large amounts of money and stimulated in a short period of time confidence in the stock market. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the affirmative action hire who was a spokesperson for the Biden administration, said that this is just normal market fluctuations. Nothing to see here, folks. I disagree. And just pointing this out, this is just yet another example of how our politicians find ways to make money. Uh, it's a rigged game. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's a rigged game. They uh, get all the info ahead of time, and they make moves accordingly. And all the rest of us, we're just, we're just suckers, you know, picking up the pieces uh, when everything's said and done. So th th will, will something come of this? Will somebody be held to account for the fact that these very important numbers? Because everything right now is the market is determined largely by what, uh, the, what the inflation numbers are. Because the inflation numbers tell us what the Fed is going to do. And if the Fed continues to tighten monetary policy, it's going to affect overall mood uh, of investment in the country. So the CPI report leaking ahead of time, causing a uh, really uh, pretty intense rally there for a few minutes yesterday. Interesting story. Now, right before the break, I mentioned that the Justice Department prosecutors over in the Southern District of New York said in the press conference regarding Sam Bankman-Fried that other people will be charged. Now, I have the uh, true bill, the indictment here, and, you know, all of these counts, let me make sure I'm not misleading you. Count one, count two, count three. Uh, oh, not count four. You'll see in a moment what I'm getting at. Count five. Yep. Count six, count seven, and count eight. I know because I've gone over that one in depth. Out of the eight in individual counts, uh, which, by the way, consist of four counts of wire fraud, two counts of commodities and securities fraud, and one count of money laundering, plus one count of the uh, allegations dealing with the campaign finance laws. More on that in a minute. I... Uh, only one of them is not a conspiracy. So I think it's the third or fourth count is not charged as a conspiracy. The rest all are. Now, what does that mean? That means, by definition, a conspiracy requires two or more people to conspire, to get together and plan and execute a crime. And these are, th this, this means essentially that in order to prove the offense, they, they will have to prove, one, the underlying fraud, but they'll also have to prove that two or more people got together to affect to it. Now, I continue to be up against the clock here today, but I want to get into the possibilities of who these people could be. 
Because naturally, of course, uh, I have no doubt there are people within the company itself that participated in this. This is not something that just one guy affected at the top. Even with Bernie Madoff, where it was a small family-run operation, there were people there helping him uh, make, you know, make fake reports and, and funnel money, and they were well aware of what was going on. But I wonder if people on the outside will get tangled up in this, criminally speaking. So when we come back, I want to get into that. Plus, there's another poll. I mentioned polls yesterday. There's a uh, Wall Street Journal poll uh, out about the 24 election. So I want to get into that. Plus, some news on Jeffrey Epstein. We're going to talk about all the baddies today. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Your favorite cisgender radio host... <laughs> Sam Rajofsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Friends, I'm here. I'm reporting for duty. I'm proudly and enthusiastically serving you from 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, here in Las Vegas, Monday through Friday. Uh, okay. Uh, before I get to all of that, you, you know where to find me. I love hearing from you. Please do not hesitate to send me support or a displeasure uh, by email, sam at salmonashlaw.com, sam at salmonashlaw.com. This hour brought to you by Salmonash Injury Law because you deserve lawyers that share your values. 702-820-1234. That's the number, 702-820-1234. It's as easy as 1234. There we go. Um, I... Uh, I, I saw this yesterday. I'm laughing at, laughing now as both a lawyer and as a business owner that I guess FTX, the company that was at one point, I mentioned just last segment, that they were, they're, they're worth $32 billion at their peak. Not million, billion with a B. They ran their entire business using QuickBooks. Now... Uh, that's a headline that I thought is catching. Um, it's not the normal way to run a multi-billion-dollar company. Let me just let me just throw that out there. There are uh, many sophisticated accounting software platforms that are appropriate for this type of uh, business. This is just not one of them. Okay, uh, certainly. Uh, the allegation, right, that eight billion or more in client funds has evaporated. Right, it's gone, gone missing. They've been funneled apparently into Alameda Research. The entire uh, point of all of this, right, is you know they're going to have to prove these prosecutors. And thinking about a lot about this as a lawyer, I'm, I look at the prosecutors. will have to prove that this was all intentional, and to prove the conspiracy charges, they're going to have to prove that people got together, right? Two or more people got together to make this all happen. Um, I think the defense. Side note here, the defense to all of this uh, financial, uh, these financial uh, crimes, alleged crimes, is going to be kind of what his notes, SBF notes that were released by Forbes yesterday. He was supposed to testify yesterday to uh, in front of Congress. And we talked about this together on the show. 
uh, Tuesday. But I, you know, he was supposed to talk to Congress, and then lo and behold, hours before, the night before, he gets arrested. And I had some theories as to why that was a bit suspicious. But uh, regardless, his notes got released, and a lot of it is just woes me. I didn't know it was sloppy. You know, we didn't know how to use accounting software, da-da-da-da-da. And it all sounds very pathetic, but the truth is that embedded in that is a, is a, is a, is a viable defense. I'm not saying it's a, a, a winning defense, but it's a viable defense. The one allegation in here, the one count, or the, which is it, number eight in the indictment, the campaign finance law, I think that one is the most perilous one of them all because there's nothing you can you can at the end of the day you don't have to prove intent you understand this in the law right there's certain crimes that re- require intent did the defendant intend to commit this offense did he intend to defraud did he intend to enter into a cr- uh, criminal conspiracy there's no intent required for co- a campaign uh, finance violation did you did Mr. X give politician Y more than the total allowed limit? And if the answer is yes, you can't blame sloppy accounting. You can't blame, oh, whoops, well, I just, I forgot about that other check I wrote. It, it's, it's just, you're done. End of story. Sometimes prosecutors do save the best for last. They'll throw the 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 allegation in you know kind of the sleeper but the but the strongest punch at the end of an indictment and at the end of a true bill and i think that's what happened here and i think people i think that some of these political fixers i think that chiefs of staff and fundraisers and maybe even some democratic politicians will get got, get caught up in this i think friends uh, be candid with you. I th- I think that I, I think heads are going to roll on this because remember the the politicians themselves, if they are aware that these laws are being broken, if they are aware that they are receiving law the money above and beyond the limit, and they they are required to check this stuff, they can get into trouble. And if they're helping, if there are emails, text messages any kind of documentation suggesting that they are helping, they're aiding and abetting workarounds using straw men, right? Taking somebody, a third party, and saying, all right, Mr. Mr. SBF over here is going to give you 10 grand, and then you're going you're gonna to, in turn, donate it to me, right? Can't do that. And people do go to federal prison for this. I, I there this this could be a shockwave through the system. Now the, the the caveat, and I said this yesterday: how much faith do we have in a prosecutor's office out of New York City that answers to Washington D.C. Merrick Merrick the Magnificent Garland, the A.G who reports directly to Biden, how do we necessarily trust that these people are going to be even-handed? We know that these are prosecutors already very happy to put political consideration into uh, various criminal investigations. For example, happy to investigate Trump to no end, 
but certainly not investigate the very strong likelihood of a crime having been committed based on the evidence obtained in the Hunter Biden laptop. That is just one example, right? Little yin and yang there of how these people pick their battles, pick their prosecutions, and guarantee an unequal application of the law. But I still think what could happen here is remember there will be an event in January. And what is that? Well, come January, there will be a new Congress sworn in. And this new Congress is going to have a, well, it's going to have a a slightly Republican flavor. And that in turn means that, well, folks, I'm going to tell you, if they have an appetite and are already sharpening their blades, getting ready to call in everyone and anybody from Fauci on on down and up. They're going to get to the bottom of the Hunter Biden thing. They're going to have Merrick Garland testifying every 10 minutes. They are going to tie these people up. I'm convinced of it. And I've said if they don't, it's the end of the Republican Party. But the the what could very well happen here is the prosecutor could take a, a, a lighter, you know, a lighter approach to the politicians, implicate strictly the donors, and in turn the Republicans in Congress could get to the bottom of this by calling people in under oath, doing their own investigation, and then sending the evidence that they have with a with a a recommendation for prosecution to the AGs and publicize it all. And that would, I'm going to tell you, that would be, uh, that, that would be a tough to ignore move. This, this could end up being, the reason I just spent most of today's show talking about this is this story, friends, could end up being a driving issue, a top five issue in the 24 cycle. So I, you know, I, I don't want to oversell it, but I'm, I'm telling you, 40 million. I, okay, I know we're missing 8 billion or whatever the number is, but 40 million of that went to Democratic causes just this last election. So just, you know, in the last, call it last eight months, 10 months, $40 million to Democrats. And then, of course, you know, he was very close with, with all the party grandees and Everyone from Bill Clinton to Maxine Waters, uh, this guy was absolutely in with the in side of the Democratic Party. So I, you know, is this is this is this important? Yes, hugely important. Both as a matter of there's a criminal interest and in, in a tremendous fraud having occurred, but I but I believe uh, you know a scandal that will catch uh, entangle a number of elected officials primarily are almost exclusively Democrats. All right, I got to take a quick time out. We're going to get to the Jeffrey Epstein update here. Also, uh, uh, a quick word about Elon Musk. I want to get to that. And uh, finally, also, uh, we have, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna get to that, that, that new uh, poll. Just touch on that real fast, Wall Street Journal, and give you my 10 cents on it. Sam Rajovsky, you're listening to The What's Right Show here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Sam Rajofsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour of the What's Right show brought by our friends at Sam and Ash Injury Law, the only firm to trust in Nevada, California, 
with your personal injury case, 702-820-1234, because you deserve lawyers who share your values. A quick note here, speaking of values uh, that we do not share with people, it's Jeffrey Epstein, the gift that keeps on giving. What I mean by this is there is so much more to this story still, folks. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm just a lawyer, and I say this all the time. Lawyers ask questions. So one of the things that came up today was there is a, a one of his uh, uh, purported victims, Sarah Ransom, in a deposition. So this, to me, this is interesting because it's under oath. When someone testifies to something under the penalty of perjury, now, could it be false? Yes. But is there a higher degree of credibility to this? Absolutely. She testifies that she personally saw videotapes made of wealthy men sleeping with young girls uh, at the, uh, with, the, with, the, with the help procurement efforts of Jeffrey Epstein. So this is a longstanding deal that we have heard a little bit about that Epstein would record people and use it as blackmail. And part of the reason why it was long suspected that he received preferential treatment for as long as he did so can I ask the question? I would assume these tapes exist. I would assume that they implicate people. I assume we have a Justice Department that spends its time hassling President Trump, going after you know a bunch of realtors and, and, and mechanics and, and blue-collar workers and whatnot that went and happened to show up at the uh, Capitol building on January the 6th. Okay, I mean, prosecute the people that broke, you know, broke things and burned things down. But it's people that showed up, right? People that were there, maybe entered the building and should have gotten a fine instead of, I don't know, being held in solitary confinement. So this is a pro- why are we not going after the people that are on tape having intercourse with with girls that are not of age? <laughs> That's a. You know, that's a prosecutable offense. I have no words for this. And that is a question that needs to be asked. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll get to the poll. polling. Now, look, there was just another poll, right? Um, uh, the, the poll is showing, again, as I mentioned yesterday, a handful of polls came out. Ron DeSantis, according to Wall Street Journal, holding an early lead over Donald Trump among GOP primary voters. Uh, the lead is uh, pretty decent. Um, looks like it's um, it's gone up uh, about twenty three percent. So that's good. Uh, viewed favorably by forty three percent, all registered voters, including Democrats. Trump is only at thirty six percent. So that's an interesting thing. That's all voters. That includes Democrats. One thing I wanted to. Uh, mention there was a, a press conference uh, that uh, DeSantis had uh, was uh, had just given, um, and this was Tuesday. Uh, actually, he was he was on with Laura Ingram, excuse me, on Fox News, talking about the Florida CDC. And he basically says, "I'm going to we're creating our own panel of health people to." Give us the straight skinny because we can't trust the government and we need to have evidence-based medicine. This is what he said. I want you to listen and, and, and get a flavor for why 
I think a lot of people are starting to listen to this guy and say he's making some sense. Um, what we're looking for is to provide truth, to provide accurate data, and provide uh, uh, accurate analysis. Uh, we have now a panel that we've created in Florida um, that is effectively uh, going to function the way a CDC should function and basically do evidence-based medicine, uh, take studies seriously that, that counteract the narrative, um, and be willing to ask questions and go where the data leads. I mean, sounds pretty correct and true to me, no? I, and this is exactly it. You know, I, I'm, I'm convinced, right, that as Republicans go after Fauci, as they go and, and, and bring him up before Congress and investigate him, you've got people like Elon Musk calling for his prosecution. I understand it's a troll and a tongue-in-cheek, but nonetheless— Musk is in that kind of center-right part of the country, and he seems to be a bellwether for what a lot of people are thinking. I, I think it's, you know, the, the, the fat lady is singing on all this stuff. Meanwhile, DeSantis is demonstrating, without running in an election, but he's demonstrating what leadership looks like. Meanwhile, can I remind you, and this is, I, I know Trump regrets this, right? But Fauci was, you know, Trump enabled Fauci brought him up there, gave him a platform to do his thing and, and created a monster. He wasn't able to disconnect that and unplug it, even though it became obvious that he was up there grandstanding and, and a little too full of himself and not necessarily worried about the substance of the science. So this is, uh, this is fantastic. This needs to continue to happen. And, uh, and, of course, I'm going to follow it. Now, one thing I wanted to mention as a follow-up to, I believe on Monday, we talked about the need for – well, this was my thinking, right? And I got some responses from you all that we didn't all necessarily agree on this. I, I mentioned that there ought to be legal protection for the content-based speech on all social media platforms that we could not rely on any one company to guarantee that voices of, of opposition or voices, uh, op opinions that aren't liked, aren't muted. And I said that really social media ought to uh, be required to follow the same rules that the government is when it comes to the speech. So basically First Amendment law. Right? Not just the First Amendment, but obviously the cases that have come since and define what free speech protections are all about in this country. And I think I, on Monday, actually said, and this is where some of you were upset with me, I said even Elon Musk can't be treated, you know, can't be trusted to preserve free speech, and I, you know, and I, I expanded on that. Well, I saw a story today uh, Twitter suspended the account that is tracking Elon Musk's jet. Now, I'm going to get in the full background. There's this kid who created a bot that has a program that, that basically auto-updates on Twitter uh, location of Elon Musk's private jet. And this is fairly easy to do because the, the tail number, the end number on the plane is, you know, a matter of public record. And every time it lands at an airport, there's a, you know, there's a, a – a report of it 
So he's created a program that that automatically takes that data, turns it into a tweet. And so if you follow the account, you get updates along the way of where Elon Musk happens to be. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego slash Elon Musk? They banned the account. This was Thorne in Elon Musk's side. He didn't want people following him and knowing where, where his jet is, even though that, that information you can get publicly, but it's just, it's harder to get, okay? You have to go and dig. You have to know a little bit about aviation. Now, what's the problem with this? I, I don't understand what the rules are. Like, to me, the way I read this is Elon Musk got rid of an account he didn't like because he owns the, the sandbox and he didn't want this kid playing in a sandbox. See, this is the problem that I was mentioning earlier. I told you that there will always be somebody saying something, even if it's as stupid as uh, following the CEO's plane around the country and reporting on where it is. Uh, this is protected. The government couldn't prevent this guy from doing it. So why should Twitter be able to do it? So I want to continue talking about this. As, as I'll give you examples, and, and I, I really hope to convince you that there really needs to be a law that says you cannot discriminate on content of speech. And if you do, there are penalties, and, and individuals who are damaged automatically can, can sue, have a right to sue for those penalties. And, you know, you get a few lawsuits come down, and it'll start getting very costly for companies. You don't need any government moderating it or doing it or handling it. You don't need the Lindsey Graham approach, you know, where he wants to create a license. You don't need any of that. Let the free market do it through the courts. All right, that's the music. Gotta go. The What's Right Show will be back tomorrow. Friends, great to be with you. See you then.